0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Caregiver Dave celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome the Caregiver Dave Sandy. Dave, how are you? It's just we're just keep rolling in April. Uh, it's April Fool's Day, and uh, I, I can't believe it. April first, and we're still living in a pandemic world. Dave, both you and Victoria are in LA. I'm in Pittsburgh, and we're all shut down compared to other places in the country that are opened up. Like I talked to my friends in Tampa, it seems like it's a normal thing. I ate for, out for the first time, Dave. Yesterday, had lunch. I, I ate in a restaurant. It was really weird in a whole year. How Good. are you? Dave? Yeah. Have you done it more? Yeah, we're a little
1: better here, but we were still eating outside over a a tent and stuff.
0: Oh, so there's no indoor dining. It was an indoor dining, Dave. So you put your mask on, which is the goofiest thing in the world. You put your mask on, okay? You go and put your mask on, (laughs) and then you sit down and take it off. Okay, if I'm going to walk around, I'm going to make sure I have my mask on. Then I'm going to go get ready to leave, put my mask on, and walk out, and then take it off again. So that's it. But our guest today, go ahead and introduce our guest. I cannot wait to chat with her. I know she wants to jump on Clubhouse with me as well. Introduce our guest Dave. You and Clubhouse, you're doing great with that thing. Yeah, but now Fireside too, which I can't mention. I've been asked to be a creator on Fireside for Mark Cuban's program, Alice's Creator. So I'm in a a training next week with that. So I'm looking forward to that too. So I'm not going to put all my eggs in a Clubhouse basket. That's not the way to do it. And Twitter Spaces, I'm waiting for an invite. Uh, and we'll have to ask Victoria if she has one. But go ahead, Dave, and introduce our guest. Well, we've got the beautiful Victoria Gordon.
1: And as you can see, she's very beautiful. And she inherited uh, her lifestyle from show business family. And right now she's doing uh, a new anthology called Pilot Season, And
0: welcome to the show, Victoria.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's so good to be here.
0: Now, Victoria, I was reading in your bio, two years old, you started to act and do stuff. Is that correct? That's
2: a bit of an exaggeration. (laughs) So when I was two, my parents were always very strict about not letting me act. Um, It wasn't until I was a teenager that they let me actually do anything professional. But when I was two, my great uncle was a symphony conductor. And he would have an annual big concert gala here in L.A., where he would do what was called the battle of batons and celebrities would come and they'd conduct the orchestra and the audience would pick their favorite to win the golden baton. And (laughs) somebody had to bring the golden baton out on stage. So when I was like two, my mom said, you know what? She's old enough. She can walk in a straight line. She's going to do it. So she hands me like a stick, essentially a baton painted gold with a bow on it and pushes me out. And I'm too, and I'm just being pushed out in front of a crowd. (laughs) I don't know what to do. So I just kind of, you know, make a cute little expression and wave and the audience is laughing. And my great uncle who was not, one, to be upstaged. He was the star of every show. (laughs) Even he had to stop and laugh at this sight of his little great niece toddling out on stage to hand him the baton. So I I knew from that moment, without even knowing it, because I don't remember it, that I was going to be a performer.
0: But why did it take so long?
2: Well, I mean, it didn't really, when you start to think about it. I started playing violin at four. I began singing when I was about 10. I started... So I was always acting I would do school plays and I would do drama camp and my parents whole thing was but you can't act until you're 18 because they had seen enough from the other side and they were like we don't want you in that life so I thought that was just what was going to happen and the day I turned 18 I was going to go out and become a star um but then when I was 14 my dad took me he was like guest teaching an acting class for a friend of his and he took me and the coach who was there said okay look if you're going to be here you gotta act so I was like okay I'll act. So he gives me a newspaper clipping and I have to improvise a character based on the newspaper clipping. And it was like a dog whisperer or something like this woman from Boston. And I did this whole routine where I was this dog whisperer woman from Boston. And it was so funny that when it was over, the acting coach said to my dad, why does she not, why is she not out there making money and like doing this? And my dad said, well, obviously, you know why? And he said, no, I don't, I have no good reason why your kid is not out there. And that's when I got my first agent and started working.
0: Wow. But violin and everything, Dave, wow. She's impressive, isn't she? Dave, you're on mute. <laughs> <laughs> April Fool, you're not being April Fools, you're on mute, man. Let's see. So, you, you went it. to Beverly Hills High School, right?
2: Oh, yes, I did.
1: So, tell me, let's start there. What's it like going to Beverly Hills High School, growing up with all of the big superstars that were just, you know, horny teenagers, I guess? I don't know. <laughs>
2: Well, you know, I'm a second-generation Beverly High alum. My mom also went to Beverly, wow. and I think the thing that is really important to note about Beverly Hills, and especially about the high school, is that it's not all swimming pools and movie stars and glamour. And there's
0: two, right? There's two different high schools in Beverly Hills, right? Yeah,
2: there's just the one. The one on 90210 was made up.
0: Okay, I knew that because I Yeah. Ended up, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um. There's technically an alternative school that's attached to the high school, and that's like where Angelina Jolie went, but the main high school that almost everyone who has gone to Beverly Hills schools goes to is Beverly Hills High School. And the thing that's so important is that there is a very strong culture of, I don't wanna say poverty, that's the wrong term, but not everyone who is in Beverly Hills has a ton of money and a huge house. We have a huge percentage of our residents who are renters. And I think like 12% of people living below the poverty line we have one of the most disparate economies of any city in the country because we have the extremely wealthy and then the extremely poor. And it's very hard for them to get <sighs> service because they live in Beverly Hills. So it's an interesting place to grow up for sure. But there is also that celebrity component, that element of, you know, this person's dad was on this thing or this person's mom did that thing. My mom went there, especially. I mean, she was close with Carrie Fisher and um, there were other celebrity kids who were there at the same time. Wow. I'm trying to- Samples. So, I mean, she had some really cool ones, but regardless, we're in high school. I mean, everyone's just a person. I, I feel like high schoolers. Have so so who many-
0: famous did you go to high school with when you Logan went to that? It
2: was actually a year ahead of me, Logan Lerman. And oh. um, we have some people who are up and coming that you're going to be hearing about in the coming years. I think some people who really have a lot going for them. And mostly, though, I feel like a lot of the kids I went to school with were not really kids anymore. I've seen a lot of people going into tech. And like fields like that, and less into entertainment, which is kind yeah, of yeah, because
0: you wouldn't think lots of people in Hollywood live in Beverly Hills. They don't, they either live where they're actors, right? Where do they well, usually yeah, live? I
2: mean, Beverly Hills is not the most desirable place to live if you're an actor, it's not really close to anything, there's no major freeway nearby. So, most actors live either further out, like in Toluca Lake, or some are really artsy. Like, I think Billie Eilish is over in Silver, Lake. she's not an actor, but she's in Silver Lake or Echo Park. Um, you get people in Brentwood with these big mansions or Santa Monica you do, there are definitely celebrities in Beverly Hills. Do not get me wrong. Um, I see Jay Leno all the time. Jay Leno drives through with his cars and it's like the coolest thing to see in the morning. And um, because <laughs> well, he has such a great collection, but um, it's less about the celebrity culture now, more about the people I find that are moving into Beverly Hills are like in tech or in finance, less of the like. Okay. Types.
0: Well, I'm, I'm
1: curious though, who are some of the Poorer people who are living in apartments in Beverly Hills. What is their motivation? I mean, are they just trying to break into the business, or obviously
2: schools? No, often it's to get their kids into Beverly Hills schools because Beverly Hills are stronger than Los Angeles schools. So they move into these apartments. And actually, on the TV show 90210 Andrea Zuckerman lived in her grandmother's apartment so she could go to Beverly or West Beverly.
0: I remember that. Yes.
2: So she was kind of a classic example of that but no there is that but also i know some people who just you know aren't particularly wealthy but they found a decent rent and they thought it was a safe area to live yeah. and they just figured well i might yeah. as well live in beverly hills i can live anywhere so we have both sides of it and i think that's something that people often forget or don't know
0: all right so you go through this process of uh you know growing up beverly hills then going on into where did you do? You attend college after that? Where, I did. Where, I went to
2: USC. It? I was a fourth okay, generation. Hey, my
0: alma mater. Okay. Woo, okay.
2: So, how about the whole
0: USC scandal and everything? What did you think of that? Uh, that was I, crazy. Oh, I watched yeah. it on Netflix, and I loved that. That was awesome. I'm sure she already yeah.
1: knew it was going on. I was
2: <laughs> mortified. I mean, I went to USC when I started there. We had just we were in the first year of the two year suspension for the Heisman scandal. So I was like, okay, I'm just not going to talk about football. Which obviously, going to USC, you only talk about football. Right. Um. Then, at, long after I graduated, this scandal happens, and my sister and I look at each other because she also went to USC, and we're like, "Great!" Now everyone's going to assume we bought our way in, and in fact, we went on a family vacation not long after this broke. And every time someone said, "Well, where did you go to school?" we were like, "USC," but but we got in legitimately. We we totally that, got in legitimately. Like, would
0: you think of the Netflix thing? That was pretty. It was kind of weird. It was it was kind of funny, even though it was so tragic. Did you, you watch the Netflix watched
2: it yet? Because my mom. And a friend of hers are the two of them because they both have kids who went to usc are like obsessed with this scandal and i think the goal has been to kind of do like a watch party of some sort either once we're all vaccinated or virtually so we haven't been able to get it together yet but i really do want to see it because i just i'm so curious to know if i went to school with someone who i'm sure I, i mean obviously i did but i don't i do have a friend this is not at usc this is at 10 actually so kind of more in your neck of the woods who told me that there was a guy she met at orientation who was like an athlete but he didn't really seem like an athlete and like he seemed kind of right. like he didn't really know what his sport was and she's like i bet he was part of it
0: see dave did you watch it on netflix yet uh-huh. okay dave you're betting you'd again are you there you're no i it. did not <laughs> you did not oh see what is it called i forget you know the name of it victoria right
2: Opera's university blues
0: Yes, yes. Uh, And and, and you don't know a part of the whole scandal, but I'm a former tutor and SAT tutor as well. So I'm a former teacher. So that's why I really liked it. And it reminded me going into houses. I said, man, I didn't pick the right business.
2: Because that was unbelievable.
0: I believe the the money the guy made before he even did that but he was a salesman completely and got the families in this college counseling thing. And I didn't know it was such a big business. I don't know why high school guidance counselors or college counselors even get into it. They should just do the private thing. It's much more money.
2: I know. I I mean, honestly, I was a really good high school. I mean, was a good college student too, but speaking about getting into college, I was a very good high school student. I had just dates me a little bit, but I had a 2180 SAT and I, I had an 800 on the writing section. Um, and I worked really hard. So I worked my tail off and got into USC, which to some people were like, that's all you could do. But no, that was (laughs) what we wanted to be. That's not easy. No, it's not. I feel like when my cousin, so I'm a fourth generation. So the early ones that was hard to get in. In the middle there, I think there was this reputation of, you know, you pay to get the degree. Um, but then by the time my sister and I turned up, it was a serious academic institution. We were there in the post sample era, um, Stephen sample, being president who really stewarded the university. And it was just very much an academic institution and we had to work hard to get in. So it was disappointing to no, it's really
0: difficult to get in USC. That's what I did not know till the, till the documentary. So at least you know that for sure. All right, Dave, sorry we we're going into that. We'll digress <laughs> with the next question, Dave. So yeah, well, I was reading about on, Yeah.
1: Go ahead. I was reading about how you have a lot of great stories. So why don't you tell us a great story about some of the things that you've been through.
2: Okay, let me think of a good one. Okay, I've got one. This is like <laughs> one of my best stories. So when I was a high school senior, we had, my great uncle's orchestra had a concert. My great uncle had recently passed away. We were doing a big concert, not really as like a last hurrah for his orchestra, but just kind of like, you know, we're moving in a new direction without him. And um, Carol Channing was coming to sing and she lived in Northern California. So my uncle was like, we got to arrange a car to go pick up Carol Channing at the airport. I don't know, it's just like, I don't have time for this. My mom said, we will pick up Carol Channing. So my mom pulls me out of school early. We get in the car. We drive to LAX. We pick up Carol Channing and her husband, ah. put them in the car, drive them an hour to their hotel. And the whole way, they're telling us stories. I mean, these people have incredible stories. It's Carol Channing sitting in the back seat of my car. Exactly. And, um, <laughs> I mean, it was insane. And what was so cool was that she was married at the end of her life to a man named Harry. And Carol and Harry had been like middle school, like junior high, sweethearts, and they lost touch. They married other people, and then when she was like eighty, they reconnected wow. and got married. And she oh. said, "You never forget your first love." <laughs> and then we get there. We get to their hotel. We've had this long chat about her work in arts education and everything. And we get out. We get her bags in. We get into the lobby of the hotel. She takes one look at me. She says, "Victoria, I couldn't tell in the car. You're so beautiful." And I was like, "Channing, call people? <laughs> <laughs> so that was one of those experiences i was like i will never ever forget having to thrive with carol and harry it was so special and they were just the loveliest people
0: so wow. i have stories too as a former professional wrestler victoria but one is i, ran, I met the rock before he's the rock and now <laughs> the show and everything we were on the same show together we worked on tours and pro wrestling together wow. Down south and he wore my knee pads we forgot for tv in memphis <laughs> tennessee so when i watch the show now young rock who i got to interview two of the stars from young rock I was like, "Oh my goodness!" But I love the show because it's exactly the pro wrestling life, especially the territories and watching his dad. How he always had to put put himself over, even though he was just a, you know, a, he, a big thing at one point. I remember all the guys because then if you saw the movie The Wrestler, that's the same story. Did You ever see The, movie, the Wrestler?
2: I feel like I did, but that yeah, was that's was with. Uh... I forget who
0: played in that, the wrestler, but that was my life as well, the wrestler, if you get a wow. chance to watch that Dave, if you get to watch that life except the drugs, I but I was around a lot of drugs, but not me. So, you know, but uh, it's just always interesting to look at those stories. But now I just have to say. The title of your show, Pilot Season. <laughs> yeah. What an awesome thing, because guess what? I talk to actors all the time. And when pilot season comes, everything shuts down of what you're doing. It's pilot season. We can't do media. It's pilot season this. And how did you come up with
2: the name? Well, I mean, that was kind of the joke is like, you know, it's pilot season. And most of the time a network after going through everything, will maybe call it down to like five pilots in each genre like five comedy five drama and they might not even pick up that many depending on what they're keeping but since I was putting out five different pilots I was like this is my own little pilot season I I think I actually said at some point this is like my own little version of pilot season like my full slate of pilots I was like that's what we call the show pilot season because it's five different pilots they're all a little different targeting different audiences and they're the kind of thing where a network might have a slate of five slightly different pilots and have to pick which audiences they're targeting
0: yeah, definitely. So what did people think that when you created this, the name, right? What were their thoughts? You know, think how creative were, oh, droll, because I know everyone says oh, it's pilot season. I'm ad- auditioning for pilot season. It's a, it's a love-hate relationship, isn't it, for actors, pilot season?
2: Oh, totally. But for a couple of my friends who aren't quite at the level of being at pilot season auditions, they were like, I get to say I'm working at pilot season. And I'm like, say it however you want. Just say it. Um, So that was nice too. But also each episode, since it's a different pilot, had its own title. So most of the time we would refer to them less by the whole collective and more by like, okay, you're working on this one. You're working on Fame Adjacent. You're working on Behind the Times. And that's also honestly how I kept it straight. Otherwise I would have been like, Episode four, which one's episode four? <laughs> I would not have catched because they were all different shows. I had to really keep track. All
0: right. So where is the streaming? Where do you use the use, How are you streaming this?
2: I'm using Watch. YouTube for this. And okay. I had been using Twitch for my singing shows and Twitch is a very good platform for a lot of things, but I don't think it's quite right for this because you can't really save a video forever on Twitch. And I felt like YouTube is pretty accessible. Everyone knows YouTube and just what are know.
0: your take, What's your take on OTT networks coming? They're competing like a Hulu that they're putting out. A lot of people are creating their own OTT networks. What are I your think, thoughts on that?
2: No, I think it's really interesting. I just, I'm questioning how long this can, how sustainable it is. I feel like, like I was talking to a friend of mine recently about the number of different content avenues we have to pursue as performers. Right. And it's such a hamster wheel that I'm shocked that there are that many people who feel they have that much content that they can either access or create. And I think the only way this is going to really work is if a lot of people start teaming up. Otherwise, it's just going to die off.
0: Well, that's what we're seeing in Clubhouse now. Basically, creating your own rooms might not even be worth its time unless you're a niche because you're not going to grow the audience you want to grow anymore because it's getting so large. And we're, I mean, every week is different based on, you know, being in the these phases, but we're seeing different, you know, I guess, growing pains in certain ways, but I understand all these different places. Now we're gonna have all these voice apps to go on. We have all the social media. Now we're talking OTT networks where like, again, I think if you're creating an OTT network and you can make more money off the advertisers than you would if you were per se on YouTube, Remember, because guess how many dollars YouTube's making off those commercials? I know. A lot, a lot more. Crazy. But if yeah. you owned your own and you got the same numbers, you're going to be getting a lot more advertising. What percent does YouTube give off of at commercials? But those are the things. But I agree with you. It's so hard to say, well, it's like all the different streaming networks now. It's not just Netflix and Hulu. You got Amazon. You got now you have NBC's network, you have Disney's network. It just it goes on and on. Right.
2: Oh, there's so much. And I was talking to not long ago, someone about an incident I was involved in where someone tried to create a network, bought a ton of stuff, kind of like with an advance. It wasn't a substantial advance, but like with the promise of a lot of back end. and the person who was doing the sales got scammed by the person who created the network. Wow. And it was really disappointing to me. I mean, it wasn't surprising. I wasn't expecting much, but it was really disappointing to see how someone had poured his heart and soul. He's like, look, guys, I got sold. Like they, they screwed me over. And I'm sorry I got you all trapped in this. I'm like, I barely got trapped. Like oh, you, you gave me nothing. So, um, but I mean, it's really tough. And I feel like the only way this is going to really work is if they start creating. If these networks become part of something bigger. And I feel like, like you're saying with Clubhouse, it's so true. I wouldn't just start a room now. I'd have to go through an existing large club.
0: Well, you know me now. You know me. So <laughs> I'm getting a, a. You know, Grant Cardone jumped in my room a couple weeks ago.
2: Oh, is that the one where there was that big fight?
0: No, thank goodness no. It was a I I I host Club Pod, which is the largest podcasting uh group um club on Clubhouse. And we had about 80, 60 people in, and it he jumped in, it was about 440. So it was a pretty interesting group but it's all changing in so many ways for sure oh
2: absolutely absolutely my mom's on clubhouse I mean it, it's becoming that kind of network so Wave's talking-
0: on clubhouse too but he's not been in a while he doesn't understand the money to be made on clubhouse is extremely busy doing a lot of commercial uh, okay stuff. I know you've been busy doing this whole tv deal with the gas stations Dave but we're going to get to that what other questions you have for Victoria about pilot season anything else I have a couple too but Um, I just wanted to back up briefly about COVID I mean we have
1: actors on the show all the time and COVID either devastates the last year of their life how did it affect you
2: it's it's been devastating but also very promising I mean obviously at first I keep a line a day journal and I look back at my entries from last year and it's like I was panicked I didn't know what was going on I thought I mean, we all were, and I remember a couple of cases, we all had this moment pretty early on where someone we know got sick or someone we know died. And it was, I think everyone had a different moment of reckoning where it's like, oh God, this is like a real thing. And for me, that came pretty early on when I know someone whose parents both died within 24 hours of each oh, other. Wow. Oh goodness. It's like, this is real. This is this is not some made up thing. This is not going anywhere. And then I started to use the time that I had because at first, let's be real, nobody did anything um, to, be creative. And I did some shows online. I wrote a lot and I took advantage of that free time. Now the flip side is I've been sitting home for like 13 months. I can count the number of social engagements I've had in the last year on one hand, literally. Um, and it's getting to a point now where I'm like, please just open. Although good news for us in LA, Dave, I read last night on deadline that LA is likely to hit herd immunity by the end of June. So that could really help.
1: Well, that's I'm supposed to be in London in June, so I
0: I hope London has hit that point as well.
2: Fingers crossed.
0: <laughs> okay, so pilot season. You didn't give us the premise. I love. I mean, I guess it's pretty much common sense. It's all about <laughs> pilot season, right? Is there what character do you play?
2: No, no, no. So it's not like that. So it's five. Each one is. It's an anthology. Each one is a separate pilot. So I have five different pilots that I've written. Mm. And each one is a different story with different characters and a different setup. And it sets oh. up an entire series. So the idea being you're watching five pilots, like you're a network executive being given a slate of pilots.
0: But they have, but they're involved in pilot season still. Are you sure in the behind the scenes in each one of the pilot season? No,
2: no, no. no it, they're, they're, are five pilots. I mean, oh, so like okay. first one was like a multicam pilot. And then we had one that was a dramedy pilot and like, We had a couple of single cams that all had sort of different tones. So I was in two of them and I directed the other three and they really have very little to do with actual pilot season, except that they're pilots. Um,
1: Gotcha. So you're not starring in all of them.
2: No, I'm in, I'm in two. I directed three and I actually really enjoyed that experience because I'm not directing is the one for me. That's always kind of like, eh, I don't know. I don't want to do that. <laughs> uh, so by not being in them, I gave myself the opportunity to really hone my directing skills and I'm glad I did mm. it was a lot of fun.
0: Okay, Dave, uh, go ahead and ask your caregiver, uh, caregiver question to Victoria.
1: Well, you know, you see behind me, this is my life now. I, I used to just be mobile. Dave had a mobile gas station. And uh, one day, 25 years ago, when my wife and I were in the emptiness phase of life, we're thinking about traveling, you know, we raised our three daughters, got them all out of the house. We even got them all married, each one twice. (laughs) And my wife complains about this headache she had. She was only like 52 years old. I was 42. And uh, the headache turned into a stroke. She lost her speech, became paralyzed on one side. And our, our world turned upside down. And I'm saying, oh, my gosh, you know, but you know, like most people do, you, you try to find the good in the bad and we grieve for a couple of years. But then, you know, we we decided to reinvent ourselves. Now she still can't talk. She can communicate through pictionary charades and she has a power chair and she can't walk. But we've been traveling the world, just uh, helping caregivers get around because 30% of them actually die before their loved ones do. And now mm-hmm. lately with gas prices going up, because I still own a gas station for 42 years, Everyone wants me on TV talking about, well, why are gas prices going up? So, I mean, uh, and now they're making a movie on my life uh, about caregiving and stuff like that. So, I mean, I'm I'm just excited. But my question on this caregiver segment (laughs) is, has caregiving touched your life? Because I believe you're either going to become a caregiver or you're going to need a caregiver eventually, everybody. It wasn't on my resume and I just, boom, instantly was one overnight. Have you thought about it, Have any of your relatives? uh...
2: Oh, wow, no, you're asking a question that's right in my wheelhouse. So I had five grandparents, my two grandmothers, two grandfathers, and my great uncle, who was never married, never had kids, and treated us like his grandkids. So they all aged. I mean, my grandfather, one grandfather died kind of young, very suddenly, 82, not like super young, but young compared to the others. Um, But then the other four all had some form of caregiver and my great uncle needed full-time care for the last two and a half years of his life, which was a huge job. My mom had to coordinate every single day to make sure the right caregivers were there. It was a constant struggle to make sure he was getting the care he needed. Um, My paternal grandmother had Alzheimer's and lived in a nursing home. And it was really tough watching as my grandfather's role went from being, you know, husband who is in a partnership to provider for his wife. I mean, advocate everything and I was a little too young to really get involved but I watched what happened and I always admired the fact that he made her fights his fights um my maternal grandmother was fine up until the last weeks of her life when she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and had full-time care and watching her go from someone who I mean every day got up and went to the office to what happened at the end of her life I am so grateful to the people who were taking care of her because the last thing she wanted was for any of us to feel like you know we had to do anything for. It. She was that kind of person. Um, but my last one, my grandfather is the one who had the most hands-on care. My my dad's dad. I, I God rest his soul. I love my grandpa Al, but he was a stubborn man, and he <laughs> insisted on living alone even though he was deaf and somewhat blind. And so like he was constantly getting himself into messes. I mean, one time he scraped his hand open. You know, he was opening a can of soup and he scraped his whole hand across, had to get a ton of stitches. I mean, my dad had to become the parent in the parent child relationship reversal watching that was so difficult but at the same time it's just a reminder that you know we all have a role to play in these relationships and we think of it as oh he's parentified you know they're he's being parentified as an adult which doesn't really make sense but right we all the roles evolve as time goes on and i'm grateful that i got to see firsthand people handle it really respectfully and really well and ultimately caregiving is huge i feel like we are all very fortunate to have the people we have in our lives. And if you care about them, yeah. that's, that's how you do it.
1: So, well, that's why I started caregiverdave.com just to help caregivers to have a support. And you know, I couldn't make it without support, but check that
2: out.
0: Uh, yeah. All right. So Victoria, best place to connect with you. Where can we go?
2: Okay. Well, my recommendation is you come to my Twitter, which is not my Twitter. I do not have a Twitter because they will not <laughs> let me have my full name. Um, so I am on Instagram at the Victoria Gordon. Um, my website is also the Victoria there, you can find out everything you ever wanted to know about me and possibly more. Um, you can get in touch with me. You can watch my pilots. You can whatever you want to do, pretty much. And if you don't see something you like there, just message me because I always respond.
0: Oh, awesome. All right. Well, we appreciate it, Victoria. Thanks again, Dave. And guys, you can take care. Thank you. All right. And we'll see you on Clubhouse. All right, guys. Uh, Great to listening man. and watching the Caregiver Dave Celebrity segment. Take care, guys.